Well, let me ask you, sometime in your life, have you ever taken on a crazy challenge? Has somebody ever challenged you to do something and you were crazy enough to say, yes, sign me up? I did that. I have uh, a friend of mine, she's a super strong friend, and she challenged me and uh, a group of people to a really tough workout for last weekend, Memorial Day weekend. And she knew that this was going to be a tough workout for us, and so she said, I'm giving you seven weeks to train. And I thought, seven weeks? I don't know if I need seven weeks to train. So you know me, I sort of underestimated how long it would take to build enough muscle in my legs and in my arms. This was the workout we had to do. One mile run, 100 rows, so your weights, you're pulling like this, 200 push-ups, 300 squats, and another mile run. Is that crazy? Yes, it was. So I tried training and I just didn't really, you know, do a whole lot. I kind of started at the beginning of May and I really underestimated how long it would take to build that kind of capacity that I needed. So I did it last week anyway and I did have to modify. I couldn't quite make the 200 push-ups. So I did 100 push-ups and 100 sit-ups. But I did the rest of that and lived to tell the story. And I wasn't too sore the next day. I could actually walk. That was my goal, to be able to walk the next day. But it was really amazing. And this was my surprise. When I really put my mind to it, when I really pushed my body more than it had done before, I was surprised at how much I could actually accomplish. If you never try something, you never know exactly how much you can do. Now, bus muscles, our physical muscles, take some time and some training to build and to maintain. And what I want to talk about in this new series of messages is that I believe the same happens for spiritual muscle. We have to train our minds and our hands and our eyes and our hearts to follow after Jesus and to keep doing that over and over and over again. It takes time to not only build muscle, but to also maintain that muscle in our spiritual lives. And so we can't just say, you know, I took that class long ago, I'm good. I read through the Bible one time, I'm good. It takes this continual development of our spiritual faith, of our relationship with Christ to keep us spiritually fit so that our mind and our heart is focused on walking with Jesus every single day. That's the goal of the Christian life, is that we take time to become more like Jesus, to be transformed, to think and to act like him. And that requires some focus. I don't know how many of you had a chance to do this, but I watched the PGA golf tournament a couple weeks ago, and Phil Mickelson became the oldest person, right, to win that PGA championship at age 50. And I remember one of the commentators talking about not only has he been working on his physical training recently, but he's been, talking, he's been working also on his mental focus, his mental training, staying mentally tough to be able to get through these big championships. And he certainly needed it because if you watch that, Phil Mickelson gets swarmed by fans. He can't even get to the 18th green. He has to get pushed through the crowd and he really has to take some focus to be able to finish the, that tournament and those putts well. And so too, we also have to keep our focus on Jesus in the midst of all of the distractions of life. 
And so this morning, we're going to start on this series from the book of James. It's a letter found toward the back of the New Testament. And through this series, I want us to look at training that transforms. Training that transforms, following Jesus, building some spiritual muscle, and how that affects our mind and our eyes, our hands, and our words for everyday life. So today, we're going to focus on that first aspect, that mental focus, and keeping that clear and following Jesus. So let's pray as we begin. Lord Jesus, as we're gathered here this morning, we just praise you for the ability to be in your presence, to allow your Holy Spirit to fill us and to renew us and to strengthen us for the task to which you have called us. And so Lord, in these few moments together, I pray that your Holy Spirit might speak through your word directly to our hearts and that you would have a message for each one of us this morning. We ask this in the precious and powerful name of Christ. Amen. So if you do have your Bibles or if you have your Bibles at home, I encourage you to turn to James uh, chapter 1. James is one of the easiest books of the Bible to understand. It's one of the hardest to live out. Isn't that true? Some of the, the easiest stuff that we can understand, he uses a lot of metaphors, some things that are really important for us to see and to know. But it's one of the hardest to practically live out because this book is a no-nonsense daily guide for Christian living. James is a straight shooter. Do you like those people? They'll just tell you like it is, right? That's who James is. He's going to write it. He's going to be straight shooting about it. And James's big focus is on really living out our faith. The overall challenge is to be doers of God's word, not just to hear about it. But he is vitally interested in creating a true community, a community of people who are focused on mutual care and interdependent responsibility. How many of you get a chance to look at somebody else who are, is here in this crowd or for those of you at home, and when you look at that person, you ask them how they're doing, you really want the answer to that question. Not the first, oh yeah, everything's fine. But building that true Christian community is about looking into the eyes of another and saying, how are you doing, and really wanting to know. Because you care, because we are together as the body of Christ walking through this journey of faith together. That's what James is writing about here. And he's writing from a heart that has known both adversity and joy. His life had not been easy. And so he talks about that. He wants to communicate that periods of trouble, periods of adversity can be used by God to purify and to strengthen those that he loves. So let's start this morning by looking at the first part of chapter one. If we go to the very top of the letter, we find that it describes the author there. Verse one, you'll see it there on the screen. It says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Most scholars agree that this James who is writing is the half-brother of Jesus. It's one of the, the brothers of Jesus that we see growing up. And the first time that we know, uh, get a reference to John, is in the gospel, or, sorry, reference to James. He shows up in the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 7, and he is there with the rest of his brothers, and they're kind of teasing Jesus a little bit. They don't see Jesus as being something special, he's just our brother. And so that's the first time that we see James show up. But James becomes transformed. 
He has a super change in his life. Following Jesus' resurrection, James emerges as a leader in the church of Jerusalem. That's why he doesn't need any other further uh, identification. It's just written by James. Everybody knows James. He's a leader in the early church. We see several references to him in the book of Acts. He is one of the leaders who presides over the first Jerusalem council. And it was here that everybody gets together, these leaders of the early church, they get this big meeting together. Usually when you get a big meeting together, there's some controversy. And there was controversy in the early church. And it was this big decision of whether Christianity was going to become its own entity, its own uh, followers of Jesus, or whether it was become, become simply a part of the Jewish faith. And what were you gonna do with people who, who were outside of the Jewish faith? And it was a really important decision. And James and some of the other leaders, they handled it with love, and the church grew because of that decision, and it became something that was for everyone the worldwide nature of Christian faith. And so James takes time and he writes this letter that gets included in scripture. And he's writing to Jews who are living out in a Gentile kind of culture to help them understand what does it mean to live out what Jesus taught us? What does that mean practically for us day in and day out? And he's talking to a culture that didn't understand the Christian faith, kind of like where we are today, Maybe there's some people around you. Why do you get up and come to church? Why do you watch it online? Why do you take time for that? Why do you take time to read God's word? Why do you take time to pray? Why is it important to you? And there's people around you that we get a chance to communicate that to as well. So this is a wonderful book to digest, whether you're new to the faith or whether you've been coming to church for a long time. And my hope and prayer is that this series will challenge us and inspire us to build some of that spiritual muscle and keep us living Christ-focused lives. So let's dive in. There's two things I really want us to look at from this um, chapter one this morning. You may find some more as you read the chapter on your own, but these are a couple things I want us to look at this morning. And the first one is this. James tackles this idea of understanding what God is asking of us. He He talks about this task of wisdom. And what I want you to see there is he says that God's wisdom is available to you and I right now. God's wisdom is available to you and I right now. When we're trying to wonder what it is that we're supposed to do, when we try to understand what does God want of me in these days, we simply need to ask him. This is what it says in verse five. It says, if you need wisdom, if you wanna know what God wants you to do, ask him and he will gladly tell you. He will not resent your asking. If you wanna know what God wants you to do, ask him, and he will tell you. He will not resent you asking. This is God's way of saying there is no dumb question. The only dumb question is the one that you don't ask. God invites us to bring those day-to-day situations, those day-to-day things that we deal with into and to ask him what he would desire for us to do in those situations. James is saying, this is an everyday faith. This is something that we work at all the time. And he says, ask me, ask me. It reminded me of something that happened um, last week in my house. My son Aaron, we were having lunch there, and he says, hey, can you get some chips out for me? I said, sure, I gave him some chips, and then I got out a cookie. And he says, well, can I have a cookie? And I said, no. 
And he said, well, why? I said, because you didn't ask. You asked for chips. I gave you chips. You don't get a cookie right now. And he didn't really like that very much. But it reminded me of this whole idea of I gave him what he asked. And Jesus, too, says, just ask what you need from me because I am more than willing to be able to give it to you. I want to help you to know what to do. God is ready to give us spiritual wisdom. We simply have to ask. But there is one condition, James says here, you have to place your faith in God alone. James is a straight shooter. He doesn't mince any words. He says, a person with a divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that's blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord because their loyalty is divided between God and the world and they are unstable in everything that they do. Jesus refers to the same concept by saying, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other, you'll be devoted to one and despise to the other. In other words, what he's saying here is God wants to give you wisdom, but you can't just be a part-time Christian. You can't just be part-time. You can't just, just ask Jesus when you get into trouble or when it's convenient or, or something like that. This is an all-in for God. If you want to have that kind of mental focus, if you want to have that kind of mental cl clarity, if you want to have the gift of wisdom from our generous God, you have to choose to give your life completely to him. To weed out all of the other distractions around us and keep our minds and our hearts centered and focused on him. We have to keep Jesus as our number one priority in order to receive that gift of wisdom. James 3.13, he says in the third chapter, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. And interestingly, James talks about all these things that happen in our mind. It starts in our mind. If we want to be wise, if we want to have that, it says you cannot harbor envy or selfish ambition in your mind. The kind of wisdom that God gives us loves peace and is considerate and submissive and full of mercy, impartial and sincere. All of these things that start in our mind. James is saying if we're going to have, build true Christian community get together, it begins by training our mind to focus on what we have in common rather than focusing on all of our differences. Isn't that what happens so often in groups? We start picking each other apart for some reason. And James is saying we need to focus on what it is that we have in common and not focus so much on everything that divides us. Are you all in for God? His wisdom is available to you and I now in all the ways that we need it. We just have to ask. And wisdom is my word for 2021. If you were with us at the beginning of the year, I said, what is a word that God might place on your heart? Something that he wants to do in you throughout this year. And wisdom was that word. So each, each time I keep asking, Lord, what's the wise thing to do here? And that's a question that I'm training my mind to ask over and over again, trusting that God will give me wisdom for every circumstance that I need. I'm training my mind to ask that question, Lord, what is the wise thing to do here? He wants to give you wisdom. We simply need to ask him and be willing to listen for the answer. 
A second thing that James addresses in this chapter is a really important distinction that we need to see in scripture. You'll see it up on the screen. We're gonna start with these two sentences. God sometimes tests us and wants us to grow in our faith. Satan will tempt us and wants us to fail. There's a big difference that James says here. He's talking about a difference between tempting and testing. He says God will not tempt you. He never tempts anyone to do wrong. And there's a difference between testing and tempting. When you test somebody, you want them to pass the test. Those of you who are educators, this is what your desire is, right? You know this. When you put out a test there for your students, you want them to do well. You want them to pass the test. You want them to think that they understand the information that you've been teaching them and be able to demonstrate that on the test. You want them to be able to pass and do well on that test. So too, God does that as well. There are times we go through stuff that gets really tough and James says those tests can be an opportunity to grow to test us, to build spiritual muscle, to move us forward in faith. It's not easy. It's a challenge. Just like the challenge I took on with my physical muscles, sometimes those things build muscle in ways that we never thought possible. Tempting, on the other hand, is a very different story. When you test somebody, you want them to pass. When you tempt somebody, you want them to fail. Do you remember a show a little while back called The Biggest Loser? It was a weight loss show. For some reason, I was thinking about that. And they would do sometimes, they'd put people in a room with all kinds of these um, eating temptations. There would be pizza and cupcakes and chocolate and all the things that you know, led somebody to being severely overweight. And they'd put them in this room and they wanted them to fail. They wanted them to pick up these, these things and just really start eating. And the producers of that show wanted those people not to succeed. If you tempt someone, you want them to fail. God tests us and wants us to pass that test. Satan wants to tempt us to fail. And he is the one that tempts us with all kinds of other things in life. And do you know what those things are for you and for me? Sometimes we struggle, don't we? We're tempted with pride or we're tempted with envy or we're tempted with jealousy or impure thoughts or drowning our emotions in some kind of substance or food or even distractions. What is it that distracts us from coming to church or from watching church online? Those are all the things that the enemy wants to do to start picking away at keeping our focus centered on Jesus. And so we have to be aware of those. God wants us to have life. He has given us his word. He's given us his son. He doesn't change it. And out of, out of all of our creation, we are his treasured possessions. He wants us to succeed. He wants us to grow in our faith. And James said there are gonna be times when you are tested. We have been tested over this year and a half of pandemic, haven't we? But those testings come so that our faith will be fully developed and that we will grow. And so part of training our mind is this question that you'll see on the screen. Do you see challenges as problems or opportunities? 
Do you see challenges as obstacles or opportunities? William Barclay writes, I do not like a crisis. How many of us would say, I really don't like a crisis? He says, but I do like the opportunities it provides. What are the opportunities that are coming or have come out of this pandemic? Stuff we never would have thought about before that has stretched our minds and our hearts to think in different ways. There are gonna be some good things that are gonna come out of that. How can we see God's presence? How can it help you and I not to just absorb life's blows, but to actively transform them into opportunities for good? Jesus wants you and I to build some spiritual muscle this summer, to train our heart, to train our mind, to focus on him in greater ways, to ask for wisdom, to see not just the obstacles, but the opportunities as well. And Jesus' training transforms us, how we think and how we act. Over and over again, it is a continual learning process no matter what age we are. And the question is, will you and I sign up for that challenge? Will you and I say yes to that challenge? Shane Bishop writes, I'm convinced that the major reason people fall away from God in the church is not because they do not believe. It is because it is hard. People don't stop eating right or going to the gym because they lose faith that diet and exercise are good things. They give up because eating right and working out is hard. Christian disciplines like praying and prioritizing church attendance and giving generously and serving and witnessing are not easy. But you will never become what God has created you to be without them. Do you want to live a life of purpose and passion and peace and power? Do the hard stuff. Do the hard stuff. You know, for most runners, if you're running a 5K or a 10K or a half marathon or even a full marathon, for most people, The joy is not in winning the race. Most of us aren't going to actually win the race. The joy is in finishing the race. The joy is in celebrating together. How well did you do? Did you have a personal record? Did you get it done? And so too, the Christian life is not a contest to run better than others. It's a commitment to run together all the way through to the finish. And James calls us to true community And he envisions a Christian community of mutual care for each other. That's what he's talking about. Of really caring for each other in an important way. So I invite you to ask yourself, as I do for me this morning, how's your mental focus recently? What is perhaps distracting you from your time with Jesus? from reading the word, for taking that time to pray? What are all of those distractions for you? Is Jesus your number one priority? Have you made a commitment to follow Jesus with your life? Are you asking God for that wisdom? Or are you trying to do it all on your own? Are you desperate for God? Because it's often when we let go of trying to do it all on our own 
that God actually begins to work. And when we give our lives over to Christ, we can't help but live differently. And that is reflected by our changed lifestyle as well. And so we're gonna close our service today by partaking of Holy Communion, just sort of renewing our commitment to Christ as he has given his life for you and for me. And it's just a way of putting Christ as a priority in our lives. So if you would, both at home and here, would you just take out your elements, just hold them in your hand for a moment. We're gonna pray over those and take those together in just a moment, but would you just take them out and hold them in your hands together for just a moment. And as you just hold those for a moment, we're reminded that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he gave thanks to the Father and he said, take and eat. For this represents my body that was broken for you. And every time you do it, do it in remembrance of me. And after the supper was over, he took the cup and he gave thanks to the Father and he said, take and drink. For this represents my blood that was shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Every time you drink it, do it in remembrance of me. And so this morning we partake of these elements of bread and juice, reminders to us of the sacrifice that Jesus made for you and for me so that we might live forgiven and free. Let's pray for a moment. Gracious God, we offer to you these gifts of bread and juice. Make them be for us, Lord, the body and blood of Christ so that we too might be the body and blood of Christ for the world. We offer to you, Lord, all that we are and we ask that you would keep us centered and focused on you in our minds and in our hearts in a special way this week. We look forward to one day partaking together with all of those who have gone on before us and who await that time around your heavenly table. But until we get there, Lord, help us to run with perseverance the race that you have called us to do and to live that out each and every day. Lord Jesus, all glory is yours, now and forever. Amen. Would you take out your piece of bread and let's hold that together as we get a chance to do this as a community of faith together. The body of Christ broken for you, let us take and eat together. And the blood of Christ shed for you, let us drink of this together as the body of Christ. let's pray as we close this time together. Lord Jesus, thank you for these elements that nourish, Lord, not, our not only our physical body, but our spirit and our soul as well. That we might feel renewed and refreshed and most importantly strengthened, Lord, for the 
challenges of our day. God, I pray that you would help us this one step at a time, one day at a time, to keep focus on you and to be nourished by your word, to be strengthened through prayer and relationship with you, Lord, on a daily basis. Help us not to take a vacation from you this summer, Lord, but to stay connected with you. In the powerful name of Christ we pray, amen.